What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Zachary Crockett Wingate Podcast, better known as Zap. Today, I'm kind of getting into an interesting topic within itself. The main point of the content is the Golden Arch Theory, understanding how McDonald's plays a role in geopolitical politics. So sit back, relax, and listen to this podcast. This is number three of the 365 rotation as I will be pushing out content that covers life, liberty, live, and the pursuit of all things that are great, amazing. So if you are working out, driving, listening, sit back and relax and try to get this next part of the podcast as we go. So today I embarked on a little field trip with my wife as we went out and I tried an Ecuadorian McDonald's. Now, essentially, it's not like I like McDonald's or enjoy the food, but what I do enjoy about McDonald's is this concept of complete and global domination. I find it very fascinating from a capitalist lens. When you look at what McDonald's been able to do in the last 40 years, it's next to amazing. Currently, McDonald's is over in over 120 different countries. They have consistency within the food, which is amazing. And each one of them has a unique menu based on the country. But today, I wanted to check out what Ecuador was like. I will be giving you an audio overview of it as I was in the mall. And um, so, so just enjoy it. Seeing the iconic... Um, Golden Arches. It's really interesting because you walk up to the McDonald's and it really does feel like you're back in America minus the Spanish. Buenos dias, como estas? Yo creo que yo tengo la combo de double pro magnifica. Sí. La bebida también Coca Cola. ¿Cómo? La bebida Coca Cola. Ah, sí. Es un Coca Cola, por favor. La sí, Coca. Para comer aquí. Sí, para but as I'm waiting here at the McDonald's, it's just really interesting how you can take a franchise like this from a business point, make it so consistent and so iconic. I mean, even kids here love McDonald's. As I was talking with my cousin's little cousin, they're just saying how McDonald's is one of the best burgers in Ecuador. So it's really just has a very interesting appeal whenever you're in another country and you see people interacting with McDonald's and with the impact of globalization, you know, we can really see how our cultures are molding together. And one of the biggest concepts where cultures mold together is food, music, and movies. And um, this is getting a little bit nerdy on the political side, but it kind of ties into Joseph Nye's concept of soft power. And now through soft power, you can have influences through other countries. And in a way, the way United States has influenced other countries on some level is through simple things like McDonald's, where people can come eat and get a cheeseburger and French fries. And it be so iconic through culture to culture. What's really going to be interesting to see the consistency of taste. As I eat this, I wonder if the flavors are going to be the same in the United States as they are here. But right now, you know, this McDonald's is actually located in a mall. Um, people are coming and going. It's not too filled today. Um, 
but also teenagers working at the McDonald's as well. So those correlations coming together for how it works. So after taking a few bites of the burger, eating the french fries, it's really interesting because the burger in itself doesn't have consistent flavor. There's a little nuances, but really where you get the consistency is in the french fries. So that really makes you feel like you're eating a McDonald's french fries. So now my wife, Natalie Granja, is going to read off a few reasons why countries do not have McDonald's. Okay, this is taken from the World Population Review. Despite the fact that McDonald's has more than 39,000 restaurants all over the world and adds more each year, many countries still lack even a single McDonald's restaurant. There are several possible reasons for this exclusion. Some countries lack the supply chain and infrastructure to keep a McDonald's running. Some countries are too politically unstable or their people too impoverished to make the, require, the required operational cost a wise investment. Some countries have a national diet too, different from McDonald's menus and looks down on the national quality of the chain's food, nutritional quality of the chain's foods. Finally, some countries simply don't want a big international corporation competing with their local favorites or bringing westernized consumer culture into their country. That said, the list of countries with no McDonald's grows a little shorter each year. For example, Brunei and Tunisia were both removed from this list and added to the list of countries that do have a McDonald's in 2021. And for the record, I'm not eating McDonald's. She is eating Pizza Hut though. <laughs> I am now back in my remote studio, if you will. I just want to thank my wife for joining me um, as I went through the process of eating some Ecuadorian McDonald's, which isn't interesting in itself, but I think the concept of it, just to walk you guys through it, to put in why the consistency is so important. Now, jumping into this concept of the golden arch theory. Now, this is a theory... This is a theory imposed by Thomas Friedman, who was in itself an economist. Now, the main concept of the Golden Arch Theory is that the middle class is so strong within certain countries, they, the likelihood of war is really low. And what his theory kind of focused on was tongue-in-cheek in a way, but the concept was if you have a McDonald's within your country, it has the infrastructure to sustain the supply chain, everything it needs that people essentially are going to be happy within themselves. If you look at the countries that don't have McDonald's, such as Afghanistan, North Korea, Iran, Yemen, these are some, the list goes on, obviously, and there's, in, there's a better part of Africa that don't have McDonald's, and the only Latin American country is Belize that does not have McDonald's. But the point being is there is some correlation where you can identify if a country has McDonald's and maybe they're less likely to go to war with each other. This was something that was considered a little bit as fringe um, policy, almost like kind of like a joke within itself. But what's really interesting is the only two countries to ever really go to war with each other because the concept was if two countries have McDonald's are less likely to go to war with each other is I've, at this moment it's Ukraine and Russia. So with them going with war with each other, you know, McDonald's did pull out of Russia, but, you know, whenever you have these cultural nuances, as I referenced in the mall, Joseph Nye's soft power, soft power in itself infiltrates and has impact on people's minds. 
And in a lot of ways, people don't want to have McDonald's within their country because maybe it doesn't relate with their cultural um, identity. Also, the diet is poor. I mean, I wouldn't suggest anybody eating lots of McDonald's, but I would say that when you look at it from a business standpoint, McDonald's has the ability to go in, infiltrate and go through there. And there's other restaurants like it, such as KFC, um, owned by Pepsi product as well. But for the likelihood of that, the Golden Arch Theory is considered to be kind of within itself a fringe science, but it's a very interesting topic when you think about what McDonald's has provided. You also have some of the interesting countries like Pakistan and India. Both have McDonald's. They fought each other and they continue to have conflict. They also have nuclear weapons. So that's probably a strong indicator for mutual destruction or mutual McDonald's, those types of things. Keeping this McDonald's theme going, I think one of the interesting research points I found is that the only country with nuclear weapons that doesn't have McDonald's is North Korea. So, just food for thought. And McDonald's is one of the largest franchises. Having over 39,000 different locations within 120 countries, it really sets how large it is in the market penetration. With their gross sales being $89 billion a year. That is a lot of cheeseburgers. Billions, if you will. So, I'm going to take this time to close out this show with the 10 biggest restaurant corporations in the world just to give you an idea of it so number one is starbucks and they're about 24 billion a year um from according to this link the next which is really interesting is mcdonald's and they say they're about 19 billion so i'm getting facts all over the place but this is according to what's on the new york stock exchange the third is really interesting because I didn't realize it, but it's Yummy China Holding. Yum China Holding. So this is now a Chinese company that holds a conglomerate of restaurants. And within this conglomerate, you know, they have KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell within within this kind of the environment of the hold. I didn't realize that a Chinese company was currently had the rights to these these franchises, which in itself is pretty interesting. I might have to dig into that later and determine when that was purchased. Number three is Darden Restaurant Inc. And they're about $7 billion a year um, within profit. And they hold a lot of things like the Olive Garden franchise, Longhorn Steakhouse, Fine Dining, you know, with those kind of being their number one contenders. You know, I think as as a kid, when you got all you could eat breadsticks, it was delicious. But I was a pretty fat kid. Number five is the Auto Grill Spa. Kind of looking to that as well. You know, they have a lot of things within Europe and North America. And nothing really sticks out to me, which with what the restaurants are. And then kind of going through it too, which is obviously going to be my favorite. Chipotle Mexican Grill. This is probably my favorite franchise out of them all because... They originally started within Denver. I've been to the first Chipotle and they've been able to truly expand, you know, in terms of international countries. They're in Canada, the UK, France and Germany, um, kind of taking this Tex-Mex style food across the world. If you had a Chipotle, then I feel sorry for you. Um, hopping into the next one is the restaurant, restaurant Brands International. 
um, kind of going into it, you know, that's kind of your Tim Hortons, Burger King, Popeye's Chicken, and they kind of own those franchises, and they are considered to be number seven. And going back to the Yum brand, which in itself sounds like it's another Chinese company, but yeah, and they have them listed. I don't know, this list is weird, but it has them back at eight. Number nine is Domino's Pizza, which is also an international. And the 10 is Bloom brand, which holds the rights in multiple countries. Um, And I think they really kind of focusing on the design aesthetic. But out of this list that was given to us by Vincer Stopadid, I cannot read. I'm dyslexic, y'all. But the article that I wrote was by Invest Apada. I can put the link in my podcast. The article is by Nathan Riff. It's really interesting to see that a Chinese company now owns the rights to KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. Um, something to really keep in mind. You know, I think what's interesting is I do have my master's degree in international security. I spent two years in China and Yo Koishuo Zhongwen, so I always keep a close eye on it just to see what they're doing. But that kind of does it for the podcast today. Kind of got out and about, did some fun stuff. Please like and follow. If there's any topics you'd like me to cover, feel free to reach out. Hey, thank you for listening to the Zap Podcast. 365, I will be providing inside information as I travel, live life, and have different things that I think need to be interpreted or understood as I see it. So please like and follow and share, and I appreciate you listening.